Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. Joining me is Bill Kirby, CEO of Moniker Group, and Mark Vange, uh, CTO. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Hi there. So, Bill, um, since you were last on, Moniker's had a pretty big transformation. Can you give us um, a little overview of what the company looks like now? I can, um, and you're right. Uh, the pandemic was used as a restructuring program for us. We started in the travel area with technology expertise, and we came across a group out of Asia that wanted to merge with us that were in the gaming, in-game advertising platforms. We saw the ability to start to work together with all kinds of synergies um, evolving, and even though the merger has taken almost a year to get to the final stages, we've been acting like one company for the last six months and recently acquired uh, interest in the banking area, in the cryptocurrency area, and in the digital media area. So there's been a dramatic transformation of the company with all of the components working to accelerate each other as we move forward. Okay. And, and Bill, I, I see you have a new name and symbol coming. When, what, what is that, and when should that take effect? Yes, um, the new name is uh, going to be NextPlay, um, and the symbol is NXTP. Um, we are down to the very short strokes. We're waiting on final approval from NASDAQ, and it could be as early as next week. Okay. Um, you have a number of pieces, so I'm going to want to know how they all play together and help each other. Um, I don't know if you want to answer that now or describe the pieces first. I think it's probably best to describe the pieces first and then how they interact with each other. So okay. um, uh, if, if you think of a circle, at the very center of a circle is our digital ecosystem. And that was an announcement that we did where we purchased controlling interest in Reinhardt Interactive TV. Um, that is the holding company. We did an acquisition within Reinhardt Interactive TV to acquire 100% control of a company called Zapware. Zapware is a um, middleware solution for uh, television, smart TVs, laptops, smartphones, with an existing customer base of about 50 million users and contracting underway that will move it probably closer to 300 million users. And so this becomes our key media distribution platform at the center of the circle. Then we have all the elements that are around the outside of the circle, and I'm going to break it into really four components. Um, the first one is we started as a travel company. And so we have the next trip travel offerings for vacation rental product and for um, direct consumer business travel, cruise travel solutions. We have an in-game advertising platform that we call Hot Play. It allows to be able to insert couponing digital ads into games and that's being expanded now to be able to insert that couponing 
into interactive TV as an advertising platform, into cellular devices, and so we're dramatically expanding the ecosystem of the in-game advertising platform. We have a gaming division we refer to as Hot Play Gaming, and Hot Play Gaming has ownership in a company called Axion, and it will be adding a couple of other gaming elements to it and companies that we're looking at. And then finally, we have a financial division, and the financial division includes long-root cryptocurrency. We're uh, one of four companies that is licensed to create cryptocurrency coin offerings. We're licensed by the Thai SEC, and we have just recently, subject to regulatory approval, purchased control of a bank that's licensed out of Puerto Rico, and we're in regulatory review to be approved to be the owners of that bank, and we'll use that financial banking system to accelerate all the other components and customer bases of the company. That's a mouthful, so I'm going to stop there, Jeff, and see if there are any questions for me. That, that is a mouthful. Um, is there one of those areas that's farthest along or uh, nearest-term potential? Um, well, it's kind of funny, but um, the reality is we get asked the question all the time, how long is it going to take to integrate this, put it all together, and get it functioning as a unit? And the interesting part of this is because the merger has taken so long, the company has actually started to act as a single entity ahead of the merger being completed. And so at the end of the day, we have many of the components that are already starting to drive each of the other components as we move it forward. So the entities that are farthest along naturally, the travel area has been around for years and we're seeing a strong comeback in terms of travel now that um, I'm not going to say that the, the pandemic is, is over. There's still lots of hurdles that we have to cross, but at the end of the day, there's a huge pent-up demand for travel. So we're seeing travel bookings accelerate dramatically. The in-game advertising platform with Hot Play has been established and is actually starting to launch its programs over the course of the next 30 days. And um, the very first thing that we did is we went out and we contracted for some mini-games to be put together in order to have the games interact with the Zapware digital media platform. And so we're actually going to be putting the first two games into that platform this month. And we have a total of 16 games that are being dropped in in order to accelerate that program. And then probably the farthest behind of all the divisions is the um, long-root cryptocurrency and the banking. Uh, the cryptocurrency platform, we have got one contract that we announced that we're working on to create a coin for uh, Forestia Group with the uh, CP family out of Asia. I think of it as the uh, Central Park, New York City and Bangkok program that we're doing. And the bank will uh, come behind that as soon as we get regulatory approval to actually step in and make the changes to the charter to allow us to be able to do cryptocurrency in addition to the traditional banking capabilities that it now has. 
Very good. So a, a lot of exciting areas, but we've got Mark with us. Um, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, why you're excited about the opportunity in front of us? Sure, it would be my pleasure, and thank you for the opportunity. Um, I've been in technology you know, all my life. I, uh, I was the, the kid who was, sold my first game at, uh, at 10 and had my first company at 16 and have built and sold several companies over the years. Um, I, one of the companies I sold to Electronic Arts, and I was the chief technology officer of Electronic Arts Interactive for a while. Um, so I have uh, you know, numerous, like 100 more patents to my name. Um, so I've, you know, I've always been the technology, the guy who kind of sees opportunities and uh, builds the infrastructure and builds um, the businesses around them. Um, you know, video games have been in my uh, in, in my blood since I was a kid, and they're the one industry that I keep returning to, even though I've done everything from you know security and uh, you know military communication systems through uh, cryptocurrency and uh, um, very, you know, electric uh, transmission and whatever. Um, video games are something I keep cycling back into uh, because it's an industry which I love and I enjoy, and it's a, it's a constantly evolving industry. And um, so I rejoined um, the video game uh, business uh, in, in hot play um, a little bit before the conversation um, with Moniker started. And... Um, We've been working on this uh, very interesting advertising opportunity. Um, as you know, and I'm sure as your listeners know, video games um, as a media have usurped um, the throne in terms of the time that people spend with them and the interaction. But there have been um, there's been a lack of development in truly successful advertising methods in video games, and so it is still kind of a space that is very ripe for um, exploitation and, and growth. Um, there has been uh, a um, sort of a first wave of in-game advertising platforms that has tried to recreate um, advertising experiences from other parts of, of our lives in video games. And this reminds me a little bit of the early days of internet shopping where, you know, I saw a lot of business plans that, you know, whose, whose, whose concept was to create a virtual mall that you could walk through just as you would a real mall, completely missing the point that as Amazon demonstrated the power of online shopping is the ability to rapidly click between interconnected ideas as opposed to wasting your time virtually walking through a virtual store. And we're seeing a lot of that in video game advertising as well. You know, there's this kind of, premise that because in the real world people pay for an ad on the side of a phone booth or on the side of a, a bus shelter, then somehow in a video game, if we have that ad on that virtual bus shelter, then it's worth the same. But in fact, if I'm in the real world waiting for a bus, I'm bored and I look at the ad. Whereas if I'm in a first person shooter and I'm running through and trying not to get killed, um, that ad is just window dressing and I'm not actually getting an impression out of it. And the economics of in-game advertising have sort of reflected that um, re you know, in, in, in recent times as people have tried to exploit this. So we really uh, have focused on how to create kind of a new generation of entertainment-connected advertising opportunities for video games and for other online experiences. 
And uh, the connection with Moniker and the connection with Zapware has really kind of accelerated that effort for us and has given us uh, a great path both for uh, opening up access to advertisers, but as well opening up uh, access to more and more uh, players who can experience these uh, interconnected advertising experiences. Very good. And, and where are you with that? What, what stage? Are you you're revenue generating? Um, we're not revenue generating yet, or at least not significant revenue. Uh, we have built the platform. We have done some trials in Southeast Asia with very encouraging results. And we are um, about uh, to start launching this product into full international commercial. And uh, um, this this relationship and this uh, um, merging of, of, of the businesses is is large part of, of our strategy to achieve that. Okay. Uh, are there others doing it? Um, there are definitely other people who talk about in-game advertising. But right now, in-game advertising tends to be more of an overlap experience. So either um, that, as I said, the ad is somehow embedded in the game environment where it is largely ignored, or the gameplay is interrupted and you might have you know, a 30-second video ad. And you know, I, I don't know if you have kids, but I have a 13-year-old, and I'm amazed she will stop the game, put her phone down, and she will pick that thing back up at 29.8 seconds. She doesn't, you know, she, that, that clock is in her head now. Um, so that that is a wasted um, ad, effectively. Um, so we're really trying to kind of create these experiences that differentiate us from the typical in-game advertising platforms that have emerged. And we, of course, have uh, filed um, IP that we are currently uh, prosecuting to protect our kind of unique and uh, and novel ways in which we try to create these experiences. You know, the kind of experience I'm talking about, for example, is, you know, if I'm, you know, a, a typical video game scenario is I'm running through the world, I get hurt, I need to pick up, you know, a, a power-up or a healing potion of some sort. And so right now that'd be, you know, a glowing green flask. Well, in our kind of understanding of the world, that glowing green flask might be a can of Coke for me, a can of Pepsi for you, depending on who we are as consumers. Um, we consume that thing just as we would the glowing green potion. So the mechanics of the game aren't changed, um, but it becomes, first of all, a positive brand interaction. But also we then put a coupon for a discount on that product in your coupon wallet, and then you're able to walk into your neighborhood 7-Eleven, get a discount off of that can of Coke, and um, you've now caused a commercial transaction to occur with an in-game ad. The other thing that we enable is the opportunity for the game developers to increase their engagement, which is a key metric for them, by offering further opportunities from the store to drive traffic back into the game. So it's great that you can get you know, a discount on your can of Coke, but if you buy the six-pack, you get this other in-game item to drive you back into spending more time with the game, which is actually a very valuable commodity on that side of the business and is something that we, render, that we generate revenue with as well. So what's your edge in that? I mean, it, it's rather ambitious. You have to be able to get 
advertisers, game developers, and stores to all cooperate. Um, do you have any edge in, in doing so? Um, so, again, Zapware is a big part of that um, interaction. Um, Zapware works with operators around the world. These operators have sales forces already in place. And so we work with those network operators, which are you know, large companies in, in their various markets, right? These are the, the Cox cable equivalent, let's say, of, of whatever market they're in. Um, and we work with their um, infrastructure and their sales teams to create that local, advertise, uh, that local kind of merchant interaction um, for the larger merchants. And then we also facilitate what we call hyperlocal for the micro merchants. So part of, of our premise is, you know, if I, open, uh, if I operate a coffee cart in the middle of Bangkok and between two and four I have a slow time, I should be able to offer that discount the coupon for anybody within, you know, 500 feet of me or 1,000 feet of me in the same way that Starbucks can put uh, that coupon in that game. So in that way, we're making online in-game advertising much more like online advertising where any merchant can go onto Google and buy their share of impressions and traffic, which is not something that is currently available to those merchants in games. Okay. And then who's going to be your, your customers? Um, well, ultimately, our customer is the advertiser because the advertising dollar is, of course, what drives the entire ecosystem. Um, and our partners, of course, uh, are the operators, the retailers, and the developers. The developers sign on because they are finding ways to monetize their the game product. As you're probably aware, um, the per, the predominant business model in games is what's called freemium, where you give the game away for free and then you try to compel users to spend money in your game. Um, only about 3% of those users will ever spend any money in your game. So you're, as a developer, you're constantly looking for other means to generate additional revenue. Um, and um, the um, network operators and the retailers, of course, are trying to drive traffic increase revenue, all those kinds of typical things. So this is kind of like the coupon, the clipping that your grandma used to do on, you know, from the Sunday paper, uh, but made much more uh, entertaining, much more relevant to today's and tomorrow's audiences. Gotcha. And then, Mark, do you have some of those partners yet? Um, we do. Um, we've had, as I said, some successful uh, tests in, in Thailand, which is where um, Hot Play's kind of center of gravity is at the moment. And um, so we, we have worked with, with 7-Eleven, which is the largest uh, retail uh, footprint in Thailand with some 14,000 stores. Um, and we have had some very successful uh, tests. And we are, as I said, uh, getting ready to do the real kind of the commercial rollout in, in some of these markets. Well, it sounds very, very exciting. Uh, Bill, so you're not neglected over there. Uh, you want to just touch on, you know, is this all, you know, Thailand or are you, are you covering the whole world or, or what countries? No, it, it's actually becoming a global play. Um, and so what we're doing as an example with, with Zapware is they're based primarily throughout Europe. 
Um, and we're looking at adding to that platform to bring it into North America and into Asia as, as part of this. And then we're continuing to look at ways to take the couponing solutions that Mark's talking about and not only distributing them through Zapware, which of course is a significant opportunity because of the fact that with the cord cutting that's going on, this becomes a really interesting solution to be to create hyper-local advertising, um, which is about 90% of cable companies' advertising revenue budget. So it's, it's important to them. And so the opportunity now presents itself in all kinds of other areas of the world. It just so happens that Zapware centered in Europe and Hotplay in its initial tests has been centered in Thailand. And of course, not to leave the travel side of, out of it, Think about what Mark just said about how you can start to geo-target products and programs to the end consumer with couponing through games. We're taking the same platform and we're recreating it so that we can do it as well in travel. So in the past, if you were booking a trip with us, we, our, our big effort was to get you in the door and be able to book the trip so that you could go away and then tell us how it all worked out when you came back. With the integration of the hot play technology into the travel division, we're going to be able to book the trip. We're going to be able to follow you with your permission on your cell phone. We're going to know your profile, and we're going to be able to target you with benefits while you're on your trip, including restaurant discounts that you can get to in areas that you like, uh, adventure tours that you can take, helicopter tours, deep sea fishing, limousine services to go forward. So we now start to service the customer from the moment that we book the trip through to the point in time that we return. So you can start to see how all the elements of this pull together and final part of it just going back to the bank so that it's not left out. Um, we'll be using their merchant services to create a next trip credit card for our consumers and allow them to have special travel offerings and hopefully bind them much closer to the overall company. So it's a demonstration of how the entire ecosystem of the new company starts to work where elements of one part of the company accelerate areas in the other part of the company. And you also mentioned uh, initial coin offerings, which is a pretty exciting area these days. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your involvement with that? We can. We've only done one announcement, which was for this for Estia project that's in Thailand. Um, but we have been in discussions with over a dozen other groups. And while you can do coin offerings for small amounts or coin offerings for large amounts, you have probably heard when, when you're dealing with bankers and financial institutions, it takes just as much work to do a $10 million, $10 million offering as it does to do a $100 million offering. So concentrate on the $100 million offering. So what we've been doing is we've been looking at coin offerings in commercial real estate, in residential real estate, in the mining area, and in the travel area. And um, we anticipate that we'll be able to pull off one to six coin offerings over the course of the next 12 months.
And what's a revenue model for that look like? Very similar to what you would find in an underwriting. Um, we have a um, commissionable rate on the offering that tends to run somewhere between three and a half and seven and a half percent, and it's a function of the actual work that we have to do in order to launch the offering and um, how good we are at negotiating versus the other side, which usually comes down to how badly you want the project. So three and a half to seven percent off of pretty big numbers that could make your your profits pretty lumpy in a good way. It seems like. Yes. No. You could you could very easily get into a situation where if we were, as an example, capable of pulling off the four Estia deal, that it could have an income stream to the company as as a one lump sum uh, amount of twenty thirty million dollars. So uh, yes, very lumpy, uh, very very um, effective end result when you pull an offering off. Okay. And then you've made a number of acquisitions. Do you now have the pieces you need, or are you going to be more acquisitive? We're going to have a couple of more acquisitions, but, but we set the core ecosystem up. So the acquisitions that we'll be talking about will be to accelerate uh, the system. So it's either going to be accelerating the financial area the gaming area, the in-game advertising area, or the actual Zapware platform to be able to increase our distribution base. Okay. And so with what you've done so far, where does that leave us with uh, you know, a post-merger structure and, and cap table? Yeah, so the, the post-merger structure and cap table of the company when everything is closed, we'll be coming in somewhere in the neighborhood of about 83 million shares. Um, the company will have very limited debt, um, about $9 million of debt in the company, which was primarily taken down in order to complete the bank. Uh, we had an injection of capital coming from our partners in Asia of $15 million, which is completed at the closing for the company. And then in terms of the blending of the um, key individuals in the company, it's become a merger of, of real equals. We'll have uh, Todd Bonner um, and our current chairman, Don Monocle, become co-chairmen of the company. Myself and Nithinen will become co-CEOs of the company. Mark will be the CTO for the company. Tim Sikora will remain as our CIO, COO. And our CFO, Ken Tapiaka, who, interestingly enough, was born in Thailand, Thai citizen, uh, will become the CFO of the overall company. So we've had a very interesting merger of key individuals filling the roles that you would want to have filled in the company, all coming together and all having worked now together for a period of about nine, ten months in order to pull this off. Very good. So it sounds like it's going to be a very exciting year. Um, before we go, uh, any closing remarks you want to leave us with? Um, I think the only real closing mark is that we're going to be uh, doing a presentation uh, to the world based upon what the new company looks like and really start to allow people to join the dots on this and see the tremendous 
revenue and earnings potential this company has as a result of bringing the parts and pieces together. And we anticipate being able to give some forward-looking guidance for the company as part of that over the course of the next two weeks. And I think we'll shock a lot of people because of the fact that there is companies that are in this that are already profitable, that have very large user bases, that have been around for years. We have a recovery coming in travel. We're already seeing an acceleration. We have a new in-game advertising solution, the likes of which I have not found another product like it in all the looking that we've done um, uh, around the world to find who our competitors are and how um, they may be steps ahead of us, and I just haven't been able to find anybody in existence. And we're taking all those elements and putting them into a, a pre-profitable distribution platform with the Reinhardt Interactive TV Zapware company. And so really you're going to start to see this company move into profitability somewhere over the course of the next quarter. And I don't think anybody was expecting that for the size of merger that we're doing and the elements that we're bringing together. So yes, I think 2021 is going to be a very exciting year for our shareholders. Very good. Well, thank you guys for, for sharing the story. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Jeff.